0: Well, last week, Pastor Stephen took us through so faithfully the end of chapter 18. Uh, We're going to actually come back to the beginning of 19 here in a few weeks because today we are focusing on Palm Sunday. And so we're going to be looking at verses 28 through 48. Palm Sunday is the day where the king of peace made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And certainly we are in a world today where people are lacking peace. I mean, have you gone to the grocery store lately? Uh, Apparently I missed the toilet paper truck at Costco because last time I went there, there was nothing there. I went to Martin's, there was no toilet paper there. The chicken has disappeared from all stores as well. Many of you have had to take your jobs home, which creates different challenges. We don't have the resources at our hands that we did before. We have families that we have to, we have to work around. Maybe, maybe you find yourself, you've lost your job and you're wondering, am I gonna have a job to go to when this is all over with? And for all you kids, all you students, we found out just, just a couple days ago that school will not be happening again in the school buildings and so we gotta figure out this e-learning thing. So much chaos in the world and we ask ourselves, are we going to make it through? Where do we find peace? And as we look at verses 28 through 48 this morning, there are are three truths concerning peace that I want you to be aware of. Three things that if we understand, we will experience more peace even in the midst of COVID-19. And so the first truth for us this morning is this. Peace is found in a person. Look at verse 28 with me. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Peace is found in a person. And of course that person is Jesus Christ. Now since chapter nine of Luke, Jesus has set his heart on heading to Jerusalem and his arrival is at hand now you Here's what you need to know about what's happening in Jerusalem at this time. They are getting ready to celebrate the Passover, all the Jewish people. And so they're all gathering to Jerusalem. There's probably over 2 million people who, who are there. Now Passover, for those of you who may not be familiar with that, that was during the time of Moses when the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians. And right before the Passover, God had already put nine plagues upon the Egyptian people and yet the king of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had hardened his heart and they would not let the Israelites go. And so God went to the Israelites and he said, "Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the blood of a lamb. I want you to mark your doorpost with that blood, and when it's time, I'm going to pass over your house. I'm going to spare you." And so what happened that night is God passed over the house of the Israelites and he struck the firstborn son of all the Egyptians. And the Israelites then were set free. And so they were all gathering in this location to celebrate the Passover, to offer their sacrifices Now, when you think about what's going on here, wouldn't you think that Jesus, like this is a great time for him to come and celebrate and and establish himself as the king of kings to rule over all people. But yet that's not what we see here. Jesus takes a humble road here because the reality is Jesus came not to be served. He came to serve And we can find peace in the fact that Jesus came humbly. We see that what he comes riding in on is a colt. So we know from other gospels that this is a young donkey, a, a humble animal. He's not riding in, we might think of him, like I would picture him coming in on this large war horse. But yet Jesus comes humbly because he's not here to take over the world yet. Make no mistake, though, there will come a day when he will come riding on a war horse to claim what is his. But for now, the task at hand is for him to come and lay his life down as a ransom. And the reason why this needs to happen is because that is the only way that we will find Peace. Now, really, there's, there's two kinds of peace that we're talking about here. There's a sense of outer peace and there's a sense of inner peace. So think of outer peace this way. Outer peace is like two warring nations that are going at it. They're, they are sworn enemies to one another. It's like Team Iron Man versus Team Captain America. And everybody know that, everybody knows that Team Captain America is far better And so we have these warring nations, but they come to the point where they decide, you know what, we no longer want to fight. Let's sign this peace treaty in order for us to be friends here. No more war between us. Now, when we look at this from a spiritual perspective, the reality for all of us is that when we are born into this world, we are born as enemies of God. We are born at war with God. We are sworn enemies and we are without peace when it comes to our relationship with God. Keep your hand in Luke 19 and just turn real quick with me to Colossians chapter 1. This is such a critical thing for us to understand if we want to have peace with God. Colossians 1 verse 19, it says this. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's in Christ. The fullness of God dwelt. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We all were alienated and hostile in mind because of our sin. We were enemies with God We desperately need to find peace. We need a peace treaty, but we can't do it on our own. There is nothing we can offer in order to find peace with God. It can only come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We must understand that. And so I ask you, have you found that outer peace with God? Have you made your life right before God through the blood of Christ? Because the reality is, God is a holy, righteous, perfect God, and apart from him, we have no hope because we are born sinful, we are born separated from God. We don't just struggle with a few sins, we are sin. And we need a mediator. We need somebody to come and take our place. And so God, in his grace, sent his precious son, Jesus, to die. But first, he lived the perfect life that we could not live. And then he died the death that we deserved. And he rose again, conquering death, so that every person who would ever place their faith and trust in him would be saved. Have you found peace with God? Now if you have found peace with God, if you have given your life, if you've repented of your sin and you've received him as his Lord and Savior, there is internal peace that's offered for you. There is peace that we can find even in the midst of all that's going on. This inner peace, it's it's like a calmness of soul. It's like even when the waves are splashing against us, we, we're, at, we're calm. We have this absence of fear. We have this absence of despair. It doesn't mean that our life gets easier. It doesn't mean that our circumstances get better. What it means is that there is peace for us that we can experience internally. And I find great peace when I look at this passage and I see the way Jesus responds to these two disciples and he says, Hey, I want you to go to the city. You're going to find a cult that's tied up. The disciples went to the city and there they find this cult. And then he says, if somebody asks why you're taking it, say the Lord needs it. And then they're going to give it to you. And everything happened exactly how Jesus said Jesus foresaw what was gonna happen. He knew in advance that there would be this cult. We can rest in the fact that our savior is all knowing. He knows all things. He knows what you're going through right now. He knows those of you who are wondering if you're gonna be able to pay the bills when they come due next month. They know how you're gonna survive the end of COVID-19. He knows all things. And we know from Romans chapter 8 that he works everything for the good of those who love him. We can find peace in Jesus because he is all-knowing. Peace is not found in favorable circumstances. Rather, peace is found in the one who rules over all our circumstances. And when we rest in Christ, we can't help but shout out, like the people in verse 38 Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace is found in a person. Our second truth is this peace is fragile. Peace is fragile. Look at verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, if you recall, all throughout the gospel of Luke preceding this triumphal entry, he would heal people. He would do these amazing miracles, but he would refrain people. He would keep people from giving him praise. And the reason is because it wasn't quite yet time for Jesus to make his arrival. And here the Pharisees are wanting that silence to continue. And so they are pleading with Jesus to rebuke his disciples. And the reason for the rebuke is because that the, 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 Pharisees they did not realize that Jesus was God and them knowing that Jesus was a teacher figured that he knew the same thing and so why are you letting them share this false truth but the truth is we know that Jesus is God and even if the people's praises grow silent the rocks will cry out but here's the sad reality the people's praise will grow silent and the rocks will cry out. Jesus comes to a place where he sees the city and he is overcome and he weeps. This is not some tears kind of streaming down his face, like a silent cry to himself. He is making a scene, he is heartbroken for the people of Jerusalem. Sure, they are praising him now, but soon in just a few days, their cries, their cries of blessed is the king will soon turn to crucify him. Crucify him. You see, peace is fragile when we don't know where to find it. Peace is fragile when we don't know where to run to for it. The reason why they are praising him in the first place here is because they are expecting Jesus to come and deliver the Jewish people from Roman rule. They are expecting him to come and bring liberty for them. They are expecting them to come bring peace on the earth where they're at right at this moment. And you know why the people are shouting in verse 38, peace in heaven and glory in the highest? is because they can't imagine that there would be peace in heaven until there is peace in Jerusalem. The people didn't understand where true peace came from. You see, they were, they were praising him for the Messiah that they wanted him to be. But when Jesus was the Messiah that they needed him to be, they rebuked him, they rejected him, they crucified him. And Jesus continues here by expressing why he weeps for them. There is judgment coming for Jerusalem because of the sin that they've allowed because of the rejection of the true king. And Jesus prophesied the downfall here. And 40 years later, from this point, in 70 AD, Rome will come and destroy it. And the rocks that lay in the rubble will cry out for the judgment of their rejection of the king. And there will be no peace. Because peace is fragile when we forget that God's presence is with us. They missed their time of their visitation. Have you ever, have you ever watched a child, and maybe you've been that child, where you, where you see them, they're wandering off from their parents, and they're, they're, they're secure until they look around and realize, I don't see mom and dad anymore. Even though mom and dad have their eyes completely on them, The the children don't realize their parents are there and all of a sudden you see this panic overtake them. You see this fear overtake them. And that's exactly what happens to us when we lose sight, when as his children, we forget that he is right here with us. He is right here in our midst. Do Do you find peace is fragile in your life? Maybe it's because you are looking to find it in things other than Christ. And you are thrown away by the winds and the waves of the world tossing you back and forth. And you are struggling to find peace because you're not resting in the fact that God is right here with you, even in the midst of our isolation from one another. Maybe you are like the Jews and you try to find your peace in the government. Who knows what the election is going to look like that's coming up? Maybe you, when it comes that time, you are going to be so nervous and so worked up that the only way you're going to find peace is if your president, the one you want to be named president, becomes president. Or maybe your hope is in the stock market and you are watching the numbers every day wondering, am I going to be able to retire? Am I gonna to have to keep working for another 10 years? But in all that you are going through, do you remember this simple truth? That God is with us. I love what Hebrews 13, five and six has to say. It says this, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can COVID-19 do to me? The Lord is our helper. The Lord is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. What is our greatest hope? Our greatest hope is not that COVID-19 would go away. Our greatest hope is not that we won't get sick. Our greatest hope is not that we're going to have a job three months from now. Our hope is not that sports are going to come back and we can watch them again and enjoy our teams. That's not where our hope comes from. Our hope comes from the fact that our heavenly father will never leave us or forsake us. That should give us great Peace. The people of Jesus' time were looking for peace in their circumstances, but we know that peace is found in Christ alone. God himself is with us in our midst through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peace is fragile when we are looking for it in other things. Here's the last truth. Peace requires our daily attention peace requires our daily attention look at verse 45 with me and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold saying to them it is written my house shall not my house shall be a house of prayer but you have made it a den of robbers so he just gets done weeping over the people And and they are waiting for him to come take over the government. So you're going to go to the city officials, right? That's not where Jesus goes at all. He goes to the temple. And what he finds is absolutely appalling. The temple is nothing like what God wanted the temple to be at this point and what, what had happened in the temple. So there's millions of people who are coming to offer these sacrifices. And what the high priests have done, Annas and Caiaphas are their names, they're, they're running this operation in the temple, and they're selling, they're selling these franchises to people to allow them to sell their animals. And they are taking a profit off that. They are becoming filthy rich through this. And to make matters worse, It was difficult just to bring your own lamb because the priest would have to approve that sacrifice. And so what do you think they're going to do? It's in the priest's best interest for his pockets to to deny, to reject the sacrifices that they bring to make the people buy what was being sold in the temple, which were 10 times the price of what they could get on their own. The temple has become a den of thieves. And Jesus, we see a side of him that we are not accustomed to seeing. And Jesus, one person, there's probably thousands of people in this temple, one person, Jesus, drives them all out. He's flipping tables. And he's making the people leave everything there. He's furious. And then I, I find very interesting what Jesus says here. He doesn't say that my house is a house of worship. That's kind of what I would think. He says, my house is a house of prayer. And here's what I take away from that. When we gather together, whether it's in our living rooms or where they gather in a church or wherever we may gather to honor Jesus, we aren't coming together just to sing songs and listen to someone proclaim God's truth. We are coming and for us, it's a sense of prayer. Our worship this morning, we're singing back truths of God. We are declaring the glory of God. We are ascribing glory to him. It's a prayer. And when we are up here delivering God's word, we're not doing this to make you feel good. We are delivering God's word because we long to be conformed to the image of his son. We long to have our eyes open to the beauty of Christ. We gather together as a house of prayer. And so we find that peace requires our daily attention through prayer. It ceases to amaze me how quickly I forget to pray. I can find myself in situations where I've just forgotten about God completely. Uh, even, even now in the midst of what's going on uh, with, with our new building, so now we gotta figure out chairs. We gotta get tables and chairs for the kids' rooms. We gotta figure out who's gonna cut the lawn. We gotta figure out landscaping. Oh, by the way, I gotta preach some messages this week. Oh, and also there's this COVID-19 going on that has thrown everything into chaos. How are we gonna care for our people? And it can be very easy for us to be overwhelmed. And we can forget to pray. And I, and I love what our church is doing if you got this discipleship guide. And so I re- read this, we read this, read this yesterday in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I thought, yes. Pray. Pray. Jesus loves to hear the prayers of his people. In Hebrews 4, we're told that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence to find help in our time of need. Are you in time of need right now? Approach his throne. Pray to him. Give thanks to the fact that he hears us. Don't forget to pray. It's amazing when I take the time and I pause and I stop when our family's in the midst of chaos or whatnot, and I just reflect on the fact that God, you're with us. You're here. You care. You know. The peace that comes when we remember that He is with us. Daily prayer will bring us peace. Look at verse 47. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. But they did not find anything they could do. For all the people were hanging on his words. Even with death knocking on his door. He is teaching God's word. He is proclaiming the gospel, it says in chapter 20, verse 1. He's thinking of us. He's proclaiming the gospel. And this even makes the, the Pharisees all the more furious. So he has just taken away the, in, the ways that they were making money. And now the, he's teaching the gospel and people are responding and they want to kill him, but they can't. Why? Because the people are hanging on every word. So how else can we give daily attention to peace? It's through God's word. If Jesus found it necessary to spend his last days proclaiming God's word, then let us spend our days pouring into the word of God, his precious promises that I've already shared this morning. What an incredible gift it is that we have in his word. He has not left us on our own. He has written this love letter to us that we may see the beauty of Jesus Christ. And the more we understand God's word, the greater peace we will experience. The religious leaders looked for peace and making a profit. Many others looked for peace through political conquest. But where are you looking for peace today? where do you find yourself going to find comfort in your time of need wall street won't give you that peace a secure job won't give you that peace health won't give you lasting peace because our peace is far greater than those things and our peace it's the same yesterday, today, and forever because our, feet, our peace is found in our conquering savior. Because 2,000 years ago, he, he wore the crown of thorns for us. He took the cross and carried it to the place where he put on the nails in his hands. He put on the nails in his feet. Why? Isaiah tells us in chapter 53, verse five, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Brothers and sisters, May you be encouraged to find peace in our King of peace. May you pursue him this week through prayer. He longs to hear from you. He is ready to receive your prayers. He hears you. And let us find great hope in the precious promises of his word. And let us be a church that is ready to bring the peace to the world that so desperately needs.